Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, Everything Cooperative. We're talking about cooperative today, and we're going to talk about some of the things that Donald Trump has put in place in his first uh, 14, 15 days and how it relates to cooperatives. And we're talking to Justin Fairfax this morning. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Vernon. Happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on this morning. And you were running for Virginia Lieutenant Governor. That is correct. Uh, This year in 2017, uh, Virginia has statewide elections, and we have a primary on June the 13th. Okay, so you have about four more months or so to to get all your ducks in the line. That's correct. About 123 days, but I'm not counting. (laughs) How many hours? But that's exactly right. On June the 13th, in a little over four months. All right. Fantastic. Justin, what I want to do is talk about some of the things that you're doing, some of the things that Donald Trump is doing, and how that relates to co-ops. For instance, Donald Trump is wanting to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. That's one of the first things he wanted to do in his executive orders. And how do you feel about that, And particularly if they don't put anything in, in place? And how does that work in Virginia for you? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I I am uh, 100% opposed to the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, I think it uh, is a law that has done a tremendous uh, amount of good. Uh, You know, more than uh, 20 million additional Americans have been insured uh, since that law took effect. Uh, It was one of the signature achievements of President Obama's uh, administration. Uh, And uh, in Virginia, uh, we've had uh, hundreds of thousands of Virginians uh, who have gained uh, health insurance coverage uh, since the law's enactment. And while we did not expand Medicaid in Virginia, which I uh, absolutely believe we should, uh, because it would cover an additional 400,000 uh, Virginians, we still have seen tremendous benefits uh, from the Affordable Care Act, and, and not to mention what we've seen nationwide. So, you know, I've also you know, seen and read reports where uh, those who wish to repeal the Affordable Care Act, this administration, uh, Republicans in Congress, uh, don't really have a plan uh, as to what they would replace it with. And, and given that they have been, you know, uh, attacking this law now for, you know, going on seven years and to not have a plan, I think, does a disservice to all Americans, to this economy, uh, to the uh, ability for Americans to access health care. And so I am uh, in support of the law. I feel like we can tweak it uh, to make it better, but we absolutely absolutely should not uh, repeal that law because it would harm uh, so many people, including here in Virginia. They talk about 20 to 30 million people it would harm. That, that's correct, which is just a tremendous number uh, of people. And we know about features of the law. Uh, that are wildly popular, for instance, allowing uh, you know young people to stay on their parents' insurance until the age of 26, uh, which frankly helps them not only uh, with regard to health insurance, but to really start to get an economic foothold in their lives so that they can uh, not worry about that coverage and instead can go out and get a higher education and vocational training, buy a home, start a family, get access to capital, 
to start and grow a small business. And that really has been the focus, uh, again, of our campaign for lieutenant governor of Virginia, is creating more economic security and opportunity for all uh, Virginians. And no matter where you start, how much money your family has, who you love, uh, your color of your skin, uh, you should get a chance for uh, economic mobility and to rise and to have more security uh, in your life and in your family's life. And the Affordable Care Act is a big cornerstone of that for so many families. And the other thing it does is pre-existing conditions. You can get yes, coverage. Absolutely. That's okay. a huge, huge uh, part of it, uh, Vernon, is, is, is not discriminating against people uh, based upon pre-existing conditions. Uh, and again, we have had people testify, you know, in many cases, uh, even on national television, that they would not be alive but for the Affordable Care Act. Uh, including uh, some people who did not vote for President Obama, uh, who have since said that uh, were it not for that law, were it not for you know the effort made uh, to get rid of the discriminatory uh, pre-existing conditions uh, clause and in insurance contracts, you know they would not be living today. Uh, and so I don't know in the face of that how someone could uh, heartlessly want to repeal a law and again have nothing to replace it with, uh, leaving people stranded uh, and certainly causing a, a tremendous amount of damage. Uh, to people's health and to our economy. Well, I know you only have 30 minutes to be on t- with us today, and we could spend the whole 30 minutes talking about this. But let me talk a yeah, little yeah. bit about co-op. Co-ops are any business you can think of. It could be a cooperative. And I know you have in your, what you want to do is increase small businesses. So if it's owned, if the business is owned and controlled by the worker, the employee, it's called a worker cooperative. If the business is right. owned and controlled by the people that use the products or services, it's called a consumer cooperative. And right. worker cooperative could be any business, and consumer cooperatives, a lot of times, is housing co-ops, and you have quite a few in Virginia, in Tidewater, Richmond. It could be credit unions, and you have quite a few of those. Right. Uh, so anytime that the consumers own and control the business. But the reason I wanted to go there, because the values and principles of co-op, the values and principles uh the cooperative members believe in ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for others. Right. So when you talk about right. Affordable Care Act, that's caring for each other. That just fits right, right in with. Absolutely. So, and sometimes I don't understand how politicians can say, and they did it. They, I don't know. It was 40, 80 times they tried to repeal this thing. Just, to me, it's just because Obama put it in. I mean, no other reason. Right. Right. Be against right. Him. And that hurts that, 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 people. That's right. Okay. And, and, and Vernon, absolutely. And, and you mentioned uh, co-ops, which are, you know, so important nationwide and, and also, again, here in, in Virginia. And you mentioned the various types of co-ops uh, that we do have, uh, you know, credit unions, uh, agricultural uh, insurance. Uh, they really play a significant role uh, in the lives of uh, many Virginians, of many of our small uh, businesses and even large businesses. Uh, and as you mentioned, there are values that underlie them that I think are really American values, as you mentioned, of integrity, honesty, your ethical uh, behavior. Also, again, making sure that everybody gets an equal and fair opportunity. Um, that's something that undergirds uh, the, the spirit uh, of what co-ops uh, are all about. Uh, and so, you know, we need, you know, people to have more, you know, opportunity in this in this economy and in this society, uh, not less. We don't need to be cutting people out uh, and shutting them down. We need to be opening up uh, opportunities. And so, uh, you know, I think co-ops are really a great way um, to, you know, democratize opportunity, uh, to really make sure that the people, no matter where they start, uh, that they get a shot uh, in life and a fair shot in life. And frankly, you know, Vernon, I, I have a story that probably is like many people's stories 
where I've gotten to live a tremendously, you know, wonderful life. Uh, but it, you know, started from a very difficult place uh, where I was raised, you know, primarily by a single mother in inner city, Washington, D.C. So you were raised uh, here, you were raised in D.C.? I was. I was. Okay. In fact, uh, my I was born in Pittsburgh, but uh, my parents got divorced uh, when I was about five or six years old. And so we moved in with my late maternal grandparents who lived in northeast Washington, D.C. I grew up right on Evart Street off North Capitol Street. I'm very proud okay. uh, of, of our roots there. And, you know, my mom, despite, you know, that hardship and, and you know, uh, the, you know, the economic havoc in particular uh, and insecurity that you know, divorce can create, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with four kids, you know, but she was able to regroup. Uh, she is a brilliant woman, a pharmacist, and because we had that security uh, blanket of our, our of our grandparents, uh, grandfather was a postal worker for 45 years. Grandmother was a nurse at Freeman's Hospital for 40 years. Uh, we got to regroup. My mom then sent all four of her children to college and two of us to law school. I, you know, my oldest brother went to Harvard University, Harvard Law School. He was in the law review there. He is now the vice dean at GW Law School. I have a sister, uh, Virginia, who is a labor and delivery nurse. Uh, she went to the University of Maryland. I have a brother, Chris, who went to Syracuse University. He is a brilliant engineer uh, in the defense industry. And, you know, I went to Duke University on a partial academic scholarship. And then I went to Columbia Law School. I was on a law review at Columbia. And I've gotten to work at, you know, some wonderful law firms. And I was a federal prosecutor. Uh, and now uh, I'm running for lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, that is a wow. story that's made in America. And, and that is a story that is a result of people giving us opportunity. Um, despite where we started. And I want that for every single person in the Commonwealth of Virginia, no matter where they live. And I really want it for everybody in the country as well. And I I say what people gave to us, we didn't have a lot of money, but they gave us something I like to call spiritual wealth. Uh, They gave us faith and hope, uh, high-quality education. They kept us safe, and they gave us opportunity. And I believe that when you get that kind of spiritual wealth in your life, you then have a spiritual debt that you must repay. And for me, that's what public service is all about. Too it's much, not about money. To where much is given. To where much is much given, is required. Much is expected. Yep. That's right. <laughs> to yeah, whom yeah. much is given, up whom much is required, 100%. You have and a so wonderful story. Is geared to you have a well, wonderful thank you, story. Bernie. And hat, God bless you. Hats off to your grandparents and your mom. Thank you. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I'd like to say this, too, uh, Bernie, because I know you have a great story uh, as well. I truly believe to my core, and I've gotten to talk to so many people, uh, we all have different versions of that exact same story, uh, where someone you can, you know, replace my grandparents with someone's aunt, uncle, father, mother, a pastor, a coach, a teacher, a complete stranger. But we've all had people who have come into our lives and done something special, given us spiritual wealth, and changed the entire trajectory of our lives. And so because we all have that different version of that same story, mm-hmm. uh, I believe we all can repay the spiritual debt together. And, and again, that's what this campaign uh, for lieutenant governor is all about. It is creating those avenues of opportunity for other people. And I like to say that opportunity is the oxygen of a democracy. Where it exists, people thrive and communities thrive. Uh, where it does not exist, you literally see communities and people die. And so we have got to pump more oxygen into this democracy in the form of opportunity, uh, make higher education and vocational training more affordable, uh, allow people to buy, afford, keep and pass down their own homes uh, throughout the generations, uh, get access to capital to start and grow a small business. My wife, Dr. Serena Fairfax, and I are small business owners. We bought a family dental practice 10 years ago uh, in Fairfax, Virginia. It's changed everything that's possible in our lives. And yet we were able to do that because we were given access to capital treated fairly in the markets, given a high-quality education. And so we want that for absolutely everybody. 
Uh, and I believe that we can we can provide that for everybody. And I'm finding, uh, and uh, I got my MBA. I went the MBA route. Uh, and yes, absolutely. Nobody Great talked degree. to us about this co-op model, and I'm finding this co-op model can work because you get a number of people, three to five people, to come together to start that that small business. And yep. I'll go over the principles of volunteer and open membership. It doesn't make any difference about the gender or the racial background, yep. political background, religious background, who you choose to marry, or anything else. So, right, it's just open and volunteer membership, democratic member control. Member yep. economic participation, and this is what I like. You put some money in, and when there's a surplus or profit, you get it back out. So you get that That's right. equity and that wealth that, that you talk about. And the fifth one is the main reason that I started loving co-ops is education, training, and information. And your whole – it looks like a right. lot of your policies and procedures is on this education piece. Absolutely. It, it's crucial. Education is so important. Uh, and so we want a robust and healthy K through 12 educational system, uh, but also really starting uh, prior uh, to early kids childhood. even being in kindergarten, yeah. early childhood, as you know, uh, Vernon very well. You know, 80 percent of a child's uh, you know brain is formed by the time they're you know three years old, uh, and so kids are learning an immense amount of information before they step foot in a school. And we have got to nurture and provide them with opportunities. We, uh, my wife and I, we have a seven-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. Uh, Congratulations. Over the holiday. Thank you. Thank and you. We're very blessed. We got to take our first break, Justin. And I could, we could yeah. talk for two hours. I already see this. We got so much. <laughs> <in common. laughs> Without so, question. But we only, have, we only have 15 more minutes. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll have another 15 minutes. We find, thank you so much for giving us this Look time. forward to it. We'll thank you right so back. much, brother. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOL at 95.9 FM. Information is power, and that's the reason that WOL is a great partner to produce this show. The National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring so that you can get information about cooperatives, perhaps go out and start one or go go to uh, shopping at a cooperative, and... You'll get power if you use this information that we give you here. Today, we have Justin Fairfax, who's running for Virginia Lieutenant Governor on the line, who grew up right here in D.C. Justin, let's change a little bit to talk about the environment. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you believe in climate change. Right. And you want. It's real. (laughs) And and, and in fact, Vernon, uh, the fact that yesterday it was uh, 70 degrees uh, and a lot of people were out. It's short, and today it's snowing. Uh, <laughs> things should you know, give some people insight uh, into what's really happening uh, here. And the scientific community uh, really uh, overwhelmingly uh, has endorsed uh, the notion that uh, climate change is real, that uh, it is caused by human activity, uh, and that we've got to do something now uh, to preserve our planet and our natural resources. And, uh, and I'm, I'm committed to doing that. Well, Donald Trump is speeding up environmental reviews. He's right. written a, to have the Dakota Access Pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline going through. Seems like the right. Republicans and him and other Republicans don't believe the scientists. Uh, you know, they don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and there there are so many. And I, I'll tell you, uh, one thing that I've been I've been struck by is that there there has been 
uh, a growing, uh, you know, consensus among a number of people, including, you know, people in the faith community who believe, again, that, you know, our you know, natural environment, planet, are a sacred trust, uh, something that we have to preserve. And, you know, we, we don't really own, you know, our environment. We, we are borrowing it from our children and our grandchildren. And so we are we have to pass that down to them and be caretakers uh, of the environment because it really is about them. You know, in our campaign, we uh, often talk about uh, the future is now. Uh, and that really is a policy prism uh, that we look at a lot of uh, you know policies through. And the environment is a, is, a, is a key example of that. I mean, the future is now. What we do today will dictate uh, what our um, environment, natural resources uh, look like in 30, 40 and 50 years. Uh, the lieutenant governor of Virginia uh, sits on a number of boards and commissions in the state, uh, including the uh, Governor's Commission on Climate Change and, and, and Resiliency. And again, one of the roles uh, is to make sure uh, that we are doing the things today in terms of uh, carbon mitigation, a reduction, looking at renewable sources of energy uh, and fuel, cleaner burning, you know, uh, alternatives uh, to what we have. Uh, and again, in an effort to preserve the environment uh, for our kids and for our grandkids. And uh, it has uh, environmental impacts, but it also has significant economic impacts. I spent a lot of time at Hampton Roads, Virginia, uh, Norfolk, Portsmouth, uh, and other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a modest rain, oftentimes uh, in those areas, uh, you will get flooding. And we have actually seen the school systems close due to that flooding. And, you know, when you can't have uh, a, a robust economy, where you're constantly under the threat of environmental disaster. We have seen what's happened in in other states uh, around the country. Uh, And so we have got to head that off, uh, again, both for uh, economic reasons, but also really for, you know, moral reasons as well. We are borrowing this uh, environment uh, and our natural resources from our kids and from our grandkids, and we have to leave it to them in good stead. Justin, how can people get a hold of you or get a hold of your campaign if they want to contribute some money or man the phones? (laughs) How would they- yeah, we, we and we would be honored uh, to have the support of everyone for the June 13th primary. Uh, they can visit our website, uh, which is at www.fairfax, my last name, F-A-I-R-F-A-X, for, spelled out, F-O-R-L-G, uh, as in lieutenant governor, dot com. So that's fairfax4lg.com. Uh, we are also on Twitter, at uh, fairfax4lg and at fairfaxjustin. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. We would be honored to have your listeners support and have them come visit our website, learn more about you know our, our, our focus on economic security and opportunity, on expanding rights and uh, protecting voting rights, women's reproductive uh, health care, and really just making sure that everybody uh, in this Commonwealth and really in the country uh, gets the same shot at the American dream that we got. Uh, it is the spiritual debt that we're repaying, and and uh, we're having fun uh, on this campaign. We have seen so much support. Hundreds of people have come out to our campaign kickoffs. I've done 20,000 miles in the car uh, in just the last uh, 10 months all around the Commonwealth, and we're visiting uh, every part of the Commonwealth, uh, Southside, Southwest, Hampton Roads, Richmond, the Shenandoah Valley, Northern Virginia, uh, and people are very excited uh, about this opportunity and about the hope and optimism that we're bringing uh, and in what otherwise is a pretty dark political time. I think people see a ray of hope here uh, in this race in Virginia, uh, the opportunity to really get involved uh, and to do something special. You know, um, I grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia, and there is a Bluefield, Virginia, right next door to each other. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, that's a great part of the country. Uh, You know, you have people there who um, are tough, 
you know, who do believe in, in a lot of those uh, tenants that you mentioned of, of co-ops, of you know, working together, of, of giving people opportunity, giving people a fair shot in this country. And, uh, you know, I was just featured in an article by UVA Wide, uh, the student newspaper, uh, the Highland uh, Cavalier. And, and we talked a lot about those issues that affect and impact really all of us, but certainly those areas. Uh, you know, there are 175,000 unfilled middle skill jobs today in the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, where people need certification and training uh, that they you know, oftentimes can't afford. Uh, and so we have got to you know, connect people up with those opportunities and use our community college system uh, to get them that training and certification, make it affordable so they can go from, you know, uh, primarily, uh, you know, service industry jobs where they may not be able to support their family uh, to making a, a livable wage and, and frankly starting to get ahead to, to make the money they need to buy a home support their family, get access to capital to start and grow a small business, send their kids to a community college or four-year college. And, you know, people want, again, that that oxygen that is the opportunity. And we want to give more opportunity, including in places like Southwest. It's been hit so hard. And you see these economies that are struggling. We want to start to help jumpstart uh, those those economies uh, by building infrastructure, bringing broadband, you know, making sure the roadways are there, making sure that our hospital systems are strong. Uh, it's hard to try to get a company to relocate a manufacturing facility uh, to a place that doesn't have a hospital because if your workers get injured or you have employees that want to you know, have children and start families, uh, you, know, you really need that infrastructure of a hospital, roadways, uh, broadband so that companies can do business uh, and kids can learn, you know, get their assignments online and, and, and really keep ahead uh, in their schoolwork. And that's really what we're focused on. Uh, it's not been a you know, bitter partisan battle. Some people love to be negative in politics and to fight other politicians. I'd rather fight our problems uh, mm-hmm. than fight other politicians. I think that's how we make progress. You know, uh, do you have any sanctuary cities in Virginia? Um, not that I know of. I know there was a debate with some cities, uh, Richmond being one uh, and some others. Uh, but, but I think that folks, in light of the executive order uh, that just came out, you know, are starting to, you know, think about policies where they can, you know, make sure that people are not, you know, being ripped apart from their families, that we, you know, don't become a, you know, a, a police state. And so, you know, we're seeing that debate, you know, happen around the Commonwealth and around the country. I also, uh, as you may know, a couple of weeks ago, I went out to Dulles Airport. Uh, it was a Saturday night and we saw uh, what was happening. Uh, at that airport and, you know, families, again, being unlawfully detained, children being separated from their parents and grandparents, and I uh, felt like we had to do something. So we just hopped in the car, went out to the airport, and I'm a lawyer. Uh, so I joined with dozens of other lawyers and hundreds of protesters, and we made it clear to the CBP officers there uh, that we were there to, you know, be the lawyers for every person who got off that plane and to make sure that they were not unlawfully detained. Uh, there was a federal court order that was issued uh, that night uh, that prevented CBP from deporting uh, people for, for seven days, and also that ordered CBP to allow uh, those being detained to see uh, their lawyers. So I was very proud uh, to have been there with so many other people and proud you know, to report that everyone was able to make it off the plane and be reunited with their families. But you know, we have just got to be a, a more caring society I know that we are uh, better than what that executive order represents. It is, it is shameful, in my view, uh, and it's a, a dark moment in history. I was heartened by the fact that people are ready to resist and they're ready to fight back, and they're ready to reaffirm and reassert our American values of inclusiveness, uh, of kindness, of caring, of making sure that everybody, again, gets an opportunity uh, in this society. And I'm committed to doing that in our race for lieutenant governor of Virginia so, as well. So you went out to Dulles. 
and that worked as a lawyer to support people that were detained. Absolutely. I did. I did indeed. And we, uh, and again, I, I was proud to join with dozens of other lawyers. It was totally organic. You know, there was no email that went out. It was, you know, we <laughs> saw what was happening and felt like we had to do something. And, uh, and again, I'm proud to say that, that, that all those families that night uh, were able to make it off the plane and, and to be reunited with their families and to get to their destination. Uh, you know, these families were scared. You know, many of them had taken Rightfully off so. in their country of origin yeah. and midair, mid you know, life changed for them. Uh, and I felt like we had to be there for them to support them. Uh, and I've been out to the uh, airport subsequent to that. Uh, we actually did a Facebook live video uh, the first night I was out there, which has now been viewed by you know over 21,000 people. And I met up with a Columbia Law School classmate of mine who I had not seen in probably a decade. Mm. But that just shows the amount of uh, energy, of caring uh, that we see in this in this country. And uh, it's not going to go away. It's only going to grow. And I predict that in Virginia, which we have one of the only uh, off-year elections uh, after Donald Trump's inauguration, uh, Virginia is going to be the match that lights the wildfire of progressive change all across this country. Justin, uh, and we are going to see a growing spirit uh, and see, see victories for people to make sure that they have more opportunity. Now, do you have any more time? Because we've got to take our next break. But do you have any five, ten more minutes? Or do you have yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely. I'm happy to happy to stay on. OK, please, please stay on. Justin Fairfax we will be we'll be right back. DC's News Talk, 1450 AM WO at 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Our program is Everything Cooperative. We have Mr. Justin Fairfax on the line who's running for Virginia Lieutenant Governor. This program is sponsored by the National Cooperative Bank. The NCB's mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members. Placing special emphasis, just to listen to this, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And you got a lot of rural communities in Virginia, and I've had people on right. rural, and they say that 80% of those uh, communities that are economically challenged are rural communities. And then you have inner city, right. as you know, that mainly blacks and browns live in that are economically challenged. And NCB's mission is to loan money to these organizations, I mean, these communities, to help uh, create co-ops or, or expand co-ops because Co-ops, I've found in doing this program, they're, de they're developed to solve a community problem. And one guy said, right. if there's no community problem, there's no need for a cooperative uh, where people come together to solve community problems. There's a book out, and Richmond is in that book. Uh, it's called Cities Building Wealth, and it was produced by the D Democracy Collaborative out of University of Maryland. And right, he said Virginia right. has a, a um, I don't know, a committee, an organization, a group that the governor put in place called Building Wealth uh, out of right. this book. And it's talking about the things you're talking about, creating right. small businesses. And I would like to see them be cooperatives. Oh, did you know that most co-ops, uh, they don't uh, they don't fail uh, right. like you do when you start right. a, a, a guy comes and says or a woman comes and says, I want to start this business 
they go started and there's a 70% chance it's going to fail in the first five years because 70% right. of them do. Not in co-ops. Right. I think it's only like 20%. It's either 10 or 20% fail. That's because there's a lot of emphasis on the education, a lot of emphasis right. on the training, and you get a group of people working together with different skills, which causes right. it. To, to so well, what are your thoughts about putting more money and more effort into building co-ops within Virginia to help these economically challenged communities? Uh, yeah, I mean, I absolutely support it. And uh, as you mentioned, in, in Richmond, uh, there's uh, you know, an innovative uh, idea that was implemented you know, several years back, uh, the Office of Community Wealth Building. And that may be what's referenced uh, in that book, which I look forward to reading. Uh, and again, like you, like you mentioned, it really does tackle you know, these issues around you know, economically impoverished and challenged uh, communities and, and making them, you know, more viable, pumping more of that, as I mentioned, that oxygen of opportunity uh, into these communities, helping more people, you know, afford uh, to buy and, and keep and pass down, you know, a home. Uh, as we know that that is oftentimes the largest investment that most families will ever make. Uh, it also forms the foundation uh, of most families' uh, intergenerational wealth, uh, building mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want to make sure that more people have access to home ownership, the responsible home ownership, uh, again, starting and growing small businesses, particularly, as you mentioned, uh, co-ops are, are great examples uh, of, of, of businesses that do well uh, and that, again, educate uh, along the way. Uh, I'm an attorney. Uh, my wife is a, is a dentist, as I mentioned, and uh, we both in our professions have, you know, continuing uh, learning education requirements. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you get your degree, but you also have to every year learn something new and, and stay apace. And so we think that co-ops really form, uh, you know, an opportunity for people to do that in business and, and in, in life as well, uh, to continually grow uh, in their knowledge base and to learn from so many others. And we know that diversifying uh, is always a positive thing, whether you're talking about investing in the stock market or, uh, you know, in various businesses or in, you know, the representation that we have uh, in our leadership uh, statewide and across the country. Uh, so I, I absolutely support opportunities to, um, you know, to, to further, uh, you know, support co-ops and, and, and small businesses and wealth building opportunities and, and educational opportunities. As you mentioned, it's key. Uh, there have been a lot of people who haven't started with very much in terms of, uh, you know, economic resources, but because they got the education, and frankly, we, we are you know an example of that, uh, because they were given the op- educational opportunities and, and then given uh, economic opportunities down, down the line, you, know, you really get to change the entire trajectory uh, of your family's circumstances. And we really want that for everybody, no matter, again, where they start, uh, what their net last name is, color of their skin. Uh, we want them to get that exact same shot at the American dream. And co-ops are a great way to do that. There's uh, some research out about housing co-ops, and it says that how they looked at the HUD-funded housing co-ops compared to the HUD-funded apartment buildings. And the HUD-funded right. co-ops outperformed the apartment buildings in every variable. The rent was lower. Right. There was less foreclosures. People felt better right. about their living conditions. The housing was a better quality. It was better right. kept up. And they were able to create financial wealth. So the I always right. ask the question, why doesn't HUD put more money into housing co-ops? I've got a couple of answers to that. But I'd like to see the, the housing co-ops are a phenomenal way to get people educated 
because I like to see where everyday people learn how to run a business. And this is all a, a multifamily right. housing is. It's a business. So that 200 unit business may bring in a million to $2 million a year. So they're running a million, $2 million a year with right. all of the problems of any other business. And they learn. And I've had right. people on this program that go to limited equity co-ops. They say the training they got in how to run a business they took in their home, like savings, right. budgeting. Uh, how to right. how to solve right. problems when there's a conflict? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, 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 absolutely. And Justin, absolutely. You were like this one on this program. I've learned. I mean, in the Bible it says where uh, two or more are gathered, God is there also. And right. I have said right. that I've learned in this co-op. I, I do property management. That's what I do, and that's where I learned of this managing my family. That's tremendous. So so in in going to board meetings and and work, there's always a problem. There's two people right. that have different <laughs> issues, okay? That's right. And learning how to solve those issues, you need God. So I said, <laughs> where two right. or more are gathered, you need, there's God because there's going to be conflict. <laughs> and, and co-ops, you learn like how to solve those conflicts. You, you, yes. you, you really learn how to listen to each other and learn how to solve conflict. And also in co-ops, Absolutely. there's social wealth that's developed because people in co-ops right. learn how to work with police and learn how to work yes. with lieutenant governors, which you will Absolutely. be with, <laughs> right. with our, with our uh, listeners' support. So, so they learn how to work and they build social wealth, not only financial Absolutely. wealth, but social wealth. Absolutely. It's, a, it's such a, that's a brilliant, fantastic point. And I completely agree. And, you know, and frankly, you know, it would be great if we could start to, you know, implement some of that in our you know political life uh, and discourse. And I think that that's the opportunity that we have here. I mean, you talk about that level of cooperation in terms of building wealth for everyone, resolving conflicts that, you know, invariably come up, but doing so in a way where we you know disagree without being disagreeable. And, uh, you know, always focused on how do we create more opportunity for others. You know, co-ops, uh, what I love about them is that at their heart, they can't be selfish. Right. Uh, you know, it can't be about me, 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 and just myself and my family. It's got to be about, you know, us. all of them. Uh, and that's how they succeed. And I think that our politics would benefit from that. Uh, our public and civil discourse would benefit uh, from that. And uh, I think it's a great thing and a great example. And and I hope it continues. My, my family, we, you know, we have uh, financed things uh, through uh, credit union uh, here uh, in, in Virginia. And it's been a great experience. And, and this is one example, again, of, of how co-ops can, can really powerfully create opportunity for people and, and build, as you mentioned, uh, actual economic wealth, but also uh, social wealth, as you called it. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic point and model. There's a co-op in Cleveland run by a black lady that was formed several years ago. She is and I wish I could call her name right now, but the uh, co-op hall of fame, she's going to be inducted into that <laughs> I love this it. year, but just talking about you know, housing and healthcare and all the different things, the, the credit union can get into. And then a lot of times there was one started in El Paso, Texas by five white men. They, they put $10 right. each. And now they have over a billion dollars of assets, just like the rural electrics are started because the larger companies wouldn't go into rural because it costs too much to put up those poles and wires. So people right, come right, together. Absolutely. Same thing with uh, a co-op in these areas, black communities, these economically challenged communities, whether they're rural or urban. There, too often there's not a food, there's a, a food desert, there's no food or there's no yep. financial institutions. Absolutely. And so these co-ops will come in place. And you've got several food co-ops in Virginia. Yes, that, that, that's exactly right. You know, and, and, and everything from, as you mentioned, meat and poultry, dairy, 
many people may not know, but you know, there, there, there's information that you know, almost a million Virginia homes, farms, and businesses depend on electric co-ops for electricity. Something that's been published by the Virginia Cooperative Council. And, you know, a lot of the products that we buy, um, both, you know, with regard to you know, food and agricultural products, but, but also financial products and services, uh, you know, insurance and, uh, and, you know, savings and checking accounts uh, when they're with credit unions. I mean, they are the product of cooperatives. And as you mentioned, they are very successful on the whole. And so, again, it, it really is a great model. Uh, it focuses people on, uh, I think, exactly the right things, which is economic empowerment, education, uh, wealth building. As I mentioned, our campaign for lieutenant governor, uh, our lead, you know, lead issue is economic security and opportunity uh, and everything that falls under that. And so when they talk about home ownership, vocational training, higher uh, education, affordability, student loan reform, access to capital to start and grow a small business. Uh, these are all things that the co-ops really promote uh, and support. And it really helps people change the trajectory of their lives. As I mentioned, we have been on this incredible and mighty journey uh, in our lives, and we have gotten to live the American dream. And I feel so blessed every single day to you know, be in a country and to have been given the opportunities that I've been given in life. And so uh, we have a spiritual debt, and we're going to repay that by making sure more young people, more families get the exact same shot in life that we did. Well, you know, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan and Donald Trump, their fathers left them with millions of dollars. Right. And they still say they did it on their own. <laughs> it's right. amazing right. the view that people have, okay, <laughs> where when my father died and he gave me a lot right. of common sense, a lot of good knowledge, yep. a lot of sort of drive yep. and hope and the things that you talked about. But when he died, yep. he had $2,000 worth of debt that I paid off. And so that was the right. financial wealth that, that he left yep. us. And there were six of That's us. So. So having to, to sort of pull together and come together and get wealth and get knowledge is, is we've had to do it a little bit different from Donald Trump yes. and Paul Ryan. And <laughs> That's right. I mean, you, you have some folks who, you know, were born on third base and thought they hit a triple, you know, and, and that's just, you know, that's a fact of life for, for those folks. But, you know, I think your story, again, is a great one. Um, and I appreciate so much what you shared. Uh, you know about your father, and and like you said, it's a it's a story that so many of us uh, have. Uh, but what I what I love about that story, uh, as I mentioned, we all have different versions of the same story. Is that what your father and your family and your community gave you was spiritual wealth? Yeah. And you look at you and look at yourself now. Not only do have you been able to succeed tremendously in life uh, and be a wonderful example for others, but you are now helping others to do it. And that is the that to me is the it's the secret sauce of America is that opportunity, that American dream. And it's fueled, uh, it is fueled by really spiritual wealth, in my view. Uh, if you can get people that, uh, it will lead to, you know, economic wealth and, and, and resources that they can then pass down. And we've got to focus heavily on that. But just that notion that no matter where you start, uh, if you're given the right tools, uh, you can advance and succeed uh, in the society. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think we've got to preserve it and we've got to enhance it for so many people. So, I had asked you to stay on a few more minutes. We had expected a gentleman by the name of Kali Akunu, who's the co-director of Cooperation Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi, but he hasn't called in. And I had just wanted you to, two to meet each other because you're two great brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that very much. And I would definitely welcome the opportunity uh, to, to connect with him and, and thank him for the work that he's doing uh, with cooperatives. And, uh, and I thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, Vernon. It really is. It's so important. 
And I hope that, you know, more people will, will start to uh, focus in uh, on the message and on the resources that co-ops provide, uh, because it really is a pathway, you know, to the American dream uh, in many ways. And so we've got to continue to support our cooperatives and educational opportunities, economic opportunities. And I know the American dream is real because I've lived it. Yeah, right. uh, and so many of us have. And I just want to make sure that it, it is actual and real for more people. More people believe that it's not real in their lives. We've got to take uh, we got, the, we got to take yeah. another break. I love talking to you. Please, if you can hang on, please do. And we'll continue this conversation. I only have 15 more minutes of the show, but we'll be right back. Please don't touch that. Great. Thank you. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WO at 95.9 FM. Information is power. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. And we have Justin Fairfax on the line with us, who's running for lieutenant governor. Justin, what does the lieutenant governor do? Yes, that's a great question uh, that many people have asked. Uh, so lieutenant governor has uh, several uh, responsibilities. Uh, first, of course, to serve in the instance that the governor uh, is unable uh, to carry out uh, his or her duties, but also per the Virginia Constitution, the lieutenant governor presides as the president of the Senate uh, of Virginia. So you sit uh, in the Senate uh, when they're in session and you break ties uh, in the case of a tie-breaking vote. We currently have 21 Republicans and 19 Democrats uh, in the Virginia Senate. Uh, up until 2015, uh, we actually had a tied Senate, 20 to 20. And so the lieutenant governor would routinely, uh, you know, cast a tie-breaking vote on, you know, policies across the board uh, having to do with you know, economic issues, uh, the budget and uh, the environment, uh, women's reproductive health care, you know, so many other things that come before the General Assembly. So those are sort of the uh, you know, top responsibilities. But uh, as mentioned earlier, the lieutenant governor of Virginia also sits on a number of boards and commissions, including the Council on Virginia's Future. I mentioned the Climate Change and Resiliency Update Commission, the Military Advisory Commission, and uh, you know, so many others, the Disabilities Commission, so many others that really deal with you know some of the most pressing issues facing the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, and the regional uh, economy. As you know, we have a regional economy here uh, with Maryland, D.C., and, and Northern Virginia, you know, Metro uh, is, a, is a great example of where, you know, we have to have regional cooperation uh, and where we also have to use that future is now lens and prism. Uh, unfortunately, the system is going through, you know, so many uh, issues. Uh, and, you know, I think we've got to you know, get out of the mode of, uh, of sort of kicking the can down the road and having deferred maintenance. The Metro system, as we know, is just over 40 years old, started running in 1976. But I think because we kicked the can down the road and deferred maintenance and didn't uh, invest where we needed to along the way, uh, we then had a you know, collapse uh, in many ways of the system. So we want to avoid that. We want to make sure our infrastructure is strong, our educational system uh, is strong. We have great schools in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, including great public schools. Uh, and we want to support those schools and our teachers and our students and our families uh, in those communities. Many businesses, before they locate somewhere, the top priority and the top question that they ask is, how are the schools? Yep. Uh, because their employees are going to send their kids to those schools, and they have a lot to do with the values, uh, home values that exist in areas. So uh, we just attracted Nestle uh, to Arlington, Virginia, and very proud. It brought 750 jobs. So we want to continue uh, to do that. Lieutenant Governor of Virginia uh, can play a significant role uh, in that regard. And, and we have you know, shown that these are the issues that are top priorities for us and, and that we carry out over the four years if we're fortunate to be elected uh, and to win this primary on June the 13th and then the general election in November of this year. How did you get Nesby out of California? <laughs> I, know, that's, 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 I tell you, you know, I, I know it takes the work. 
And I, <laughs> and I would say our governor, Terry McAuliffe, is, is doing a great job. He's you know, attracted a lot of uh, resources and businesses here to the state, uh, over $1,400 billion, I believe, in capital investment uh, in the last several years, about uh, 188,000 new jobs. And, uh, and Nestle, of course, was, was another. Again, I think it really goes to uh, the attractiveness uh, of the Commonwealth of Virginia, our strong school system, our uh, strong infrastructure, uh, and, you know, we're a business-friendly environment. We're a place that, again, really wants to make sure that people uh, have opportunity for economic mobility. Our you know, unemployment rate, you know, is around 4.2 percent, uh, the lowest in the southeast. We, at one point, it dipped down to 3.7 percent. Uh, so you really saw, you know, significant, you know, sort of uh, you know, lack of unemployment, which is a great thing, uh, and job growth. And so we want to continue and accelerate that. Uh, and the things that we focused on, again, in our lieutenant governor campaign, economic security and opportunity issues, being a welcoming, diverse, inclusive commonwealth, protecting, uh, you know, women's reproductive health care, but also making sure that, uh, you know, there is uh, across the board equality. Uh, you know, equal pay for equal work. I tell people my mother was a pharmacist raising four kids. You know, she needed to be paid equally uh, to her male counterparts to support her family. And because she was you know, given that opportunity, again, she now has four college graduates, two law school graduates, and four professionals who have their own families and are, are doing very well uh, in the society. So we have got to make sure that we treat everyone equally, uh, particularly women, across the panoply of issues, uh, economic and otherwise, uh, healthcare and otherwise. You know, no uh, gender discrimination, also protecting the LGBTQ uh, community. You know, we have marriage equality here. Uh, you know, we should always support non-discrimination uh, across the board. Uh, so I think all of those things make Virginia a very attractive uh, destination for companies and for families. And, and we want to, again, accelerate the job growth, uh, the opportunity growth for, for, for everyone and uh, support our small businesses. As I mentioned, my wife and I are small business owners. Uh, I was a federal prosecutor here, uh, so dedicated to public service and you know keeping our community safe, but also to giving people a second chance. Uh, we've also highlighted criminal justice reform as being a, a key policy platform. Uh, we have to give appropriate second chances. Uh, we have a system that in many places is broken, incredibly expensive, uh, discriminatory in many ways, and you know we spend a lot of money uh, locking juveniles up, and uh, we could spend a fraction of that providing them with educational uh, opportunities and uh, enrichment opportunities earlier on in life. And the ROI on that is significant, both financial and morally. Uh, I think we can save so many more of our young people uh, in our communities by investing in them earlier rather than waiting on the back end until, you know, until they get in trouble. So I just went into Fairfax for LG, Lieutenant Governor, F-A-I-R-F-A-X-F-O-R-L-G.com, Fairfax yes. for Lieutenant Governor. And I see your picture up here. I mean, you you look like you're about 22, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. It was a good day and a, and a good good photo shoot. So <laughs> you're you very kind. You, you got an undergrad and a and a law degree, and you have a wife and two children, seven and five years old. Yes, yes, and and very fortunate and blessed. My wife and I actually met in college at Duke University. Uh, we have known each other now for almost 20 years. Uh, we have been married. Uh, this year uh, will be our 11-year wedding anniversary in June. I'm also, to your point, I'm actually 37. Uh, in about a week uh, and a half, I'll actually be 38. My birthday is uh, coming up uh, on February the 17th. So I'll be 38 years old, which is the same age of uh, some other uh, lieutenant governors who ran and won. Uh, Don Beyer, who's now a congressman, 
uh, in Virginia. Great was a great lieutenant governor for two terms and uh, is now a great congressman. Uh, Chuck Robb, who was a great lieutenant governor and uh, governor of Virginia and also senator uh, of Virginia, they both were elected lieutenant governor uh, right about the age of 38, 39. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've seen, you know, folks look to uh, that generation uh, of leadership and, and to the new, fresh, positive ideas as a way forward. Uh, we've seen that in the past, and I think there is a, a, a tremendous hunger for that right now. Uh, people don't you know, even think you know, along partisan lines as much. Uh, they just want change, positivity. You know, they want to see a ray of hope uh, in our politics, and I think that that's what we're providing. Uh, as I mentioned, I believe that Virginia will be the match that sparks the wildfire of progressive change all across this country. Uh, and that's the opportunity we have here uh, in 2017. And it starts uh, with the June 13th primary. So you can go on Justin for Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax, F-A-I-R-F-A-X-4-L-G.com. And it has here the endorsements and news and issues. And you can sign up to help work or there's another dot you can put for donate. Absolutely. And we would, you know, appreciate it. All the support we can get. We've had some people give, you know, as little as a dollar because they said that, look, we are, you know, I may not have a lot of resources, but I'm going to work and I'm passionate and I want to invest in this uh, movement. And and people are getting excited in a way that we have not seen for a very long time. We, as I mentioned, have driven 20,000 miles around the Commonwealth of Virginia in the last uh, 10 months and have met people over the last four years. At the top, actually, uh, I ran for Attorney General of Virginia uh, four years ago in 2013, was 33 years old at the time, so I probably really looked 22 at that, <laughs> at that point. But uh, I left my job as a federal prosecutor, again, very passionate about what we can do to support people, give them more opportunities through public service. Uh, and in that campaign, a lot of people said, you know, you don't stand a chance. You're going to lose about 30 points and we'll never hear from you again. Uh, but because we stepped out on faith and, and brought that powerful message of economic security and opportunity around the Commonwealth, we ended up winning nearly 49 percent of the statewide vote in the Democratic primary 2013. And we were endorsed by The Washington Post uh, in that race. So uh, it was a powerful response. And we are seeing that grow you know, by a factor of, of, of 10 uh, this time around, people are really excited about this because it really is about them. Uh, it's about you know, allowing their kids to go to college affordably and not be crushed by student loan debt, having more people, you know, buy their own homes, start their own small business, reform our criminal justice system, save our young people, you know, from uh, incarceration unnecessarily. Uh, we spend $150,000 per year to incarcerate a juvenile in our state prison system. Uh, imagine if we took a fraction of that uh, and gave them jobs earlier in life, gave them enrichment opportunities, educational opportunities, fully funded K through 12 and uh, pre-K education, made it universal. I'm, uh, I'm, we I'm, we could I'm change the to history. That. I'm committed to that. It's uh, when you look at how much it costs to put somebody in jail versus to educate them. It's just staggering. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it is. It is astronomical what we pay. Uh, particularly when, as you mentioned, measured against what it would cost to educate them. And so I'm, I'm dedicated and committed of, to that. We're almost out of time. Yes. And I just want to put this little bug in your ear. There are co-ops in prisons in Italy and other places in Puerto Rico around the world. We only right. have one minute. So what message would you like to leave people with? Yes. So the message I would leave them with is we would be honored again to have your support in the June 13th primary uh, for Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. Uh, again, our website is Fairfax4LG.com. And we are on a special journey together. And everyone who joins us uh, is joining us on that journey uh, to really use the spiritual wealth that we've gotten in our lives to repay the spiritual debt that we owe. 
and to make sure everybody gets the exact same shot uh, to live the American dream, to uh, have a safe uh, you know, journey, uh, to be educated, to have uh, economic uh, opportunity, and that their families and their kids and their grandkids can inherit uh, a much better life and do better uh, than we did. I think that is Thank what the American dream is all about. I've just hit the donate button, and so you'll see something in there for you, baby. Thanks so very much. God bless Thank you. you. All Thank right, you. have a great one. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Everybody, have a cooperative week. We'll see you next Thursday. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOF, and 95.9.